Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the e- yeah, it's not the AP Everything Podcast anymore. It's the ET Speaks Podcast. Ah, oh, just caught myself just there thinking about this. Um, on today's program today, we're going to be talking about sports news. The last three USFL games of the season have both been played, um, were scheduled, played, and concluded. And I did make a prediction on the final one, so we're going to be going over what happened there and why I didn't get the episode out sooner. Um, obviously, we know the the episode was planned for Saturday. It is now late Sunday of the recording. So, what happened there? That's in the sports news. And in other news, we have uh, the Celine Celtic Festival announcement. Um, wishing a fourth happy Fourth of July and a happy Canada Day to all the listeners from the United States and Canada. And finally, I'll be talking about Diablo Immortal and my uh, initial thoughts as we just kind of started getting through that. Uh, playing that game so um stick around and we'll get into those sports news and other news announcements right away for today's first segment we're going to be going over the 2023 north division united states football league championship um yeah, uh, held at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, Ohio. We have um, the final Michigan Panthers football game, which, man, it was really exciting to watch. Um, and basically, the Panthers lost the game. I mean, that, that's how it goes. Uh, Mahler's won. Uh, the final score was 31-27, to 27, but it was much closer than that. This game went all the way into overtime and uh, right down to the wire, um, the Mahler's defense successfully made two stops, uh, and that's all you need to do uh, to go ahead and win in overtime. It was a shootout-style overtime system, and the Panthers just could not get it done when it mattered most at the very end. Uh, part of that is having the brand-new quarterback game, second game starting, um, second game playing uh, in for the Panthers. Um, the starting quarterback all season, Josh Love, got benched, um, and went from first to third string like right away going into the very last game and it was the right decision uh, to bring in quarterback EJ Perry EJ Perry was able to um, bring the Panthers into that playoff spot into that uh, playoff contention from a you know two and six or three and six football team um, got that one necessary win brought them to this um, North Division title game, and unfortunately couldn't get it done in overtime. But up until then, he was playing fantastic. Um, it's just there was little mistakes here and there, and it cost him down the stretch. Um, the Panthers had plenty of time to win it, and they couldn't do it. So uh, let's review basically what happened. Uh, first quarter, uh, both teams got a field goal. Um, second quarter, the Maulers were able to go ahead and get a, a hurry-up touchdown. The Panthers answered back with Two back-to-back touchdown, unanswered touchdowns in the third quarter. Um, and then the Maulers went ahead, uh, got 17 in the fourth quarter to the Panthers' 10. This tying it up at 27. And then overtime, uh, the Panthers were able to bring it up by four, uh, closing out the game in their favor and heading to the USFL championship. 
time of possession of both teams. Uh, Panthers held the ball for 24 minutes and 16 seconds, where the Maulers held the ball for 35 minutes and 44 seconds. Both teams had an equal 44, or sorry, an equal 14 drives the entire game. Uh, for total plays, the Panthers um, won for 53 plays to the Maulers' uh, 69 plays. Uh, in total yards, uh, the Panthers covered 410 yards. That's a little over four lengths of the football field, where the Maulers almost got to three at 291. Yards per play were 7.7 by the Panthers to the 4.2 by the Maulers. And for red zone touchdowns, the Panthers, um, only one of their touchdowns came in the red zone where the Maulers had three. Um, For attempts in the red zone, there were two. And for the Maulers, there were four. Passing stats for either team. For the Panthers, they had 370 yards uh, for 23 completions and 38 attempts. Yards per attempt was 9.7 and two passing touchdowns. For the Maulers, they had 197 yards in the air with 23 completions for 40 attempts, 4.9 yards on average, and one uh, completed touchdown pass. On the ground, the Panthers only were able to muster up 40 total yards on the ground for 15 attempts. That's 2.7 yards per attempt and one rushing touchdown. The Maulers had a little bit more success with 94 yards on the ground, for 28 runs, that's uh, 3.4 yards per rush and about two rushing touchdowns. Uh, turnovers for the game were totally lopsided. The Panthers giving up three turnovers, two of them fumbles and one interception. The Maulers, perfect ball control down the stretch. Um, no turnovers, all game fumbles or interceptions. For stats... Um, Eli Perry, the only one to make a EJ Perry, sorry, EJ Perry, only one to make a, a pass, 20 for 38. Um, his quarterback rating 99.7 um, compared to the Mahler's quarterback rating of 79.5. Uh, with 60, um, EJ Perry had uh, 60.5% uh, completion, 370 yards, 9.7, um, two touchdowns and interception, as we talked about earlier. On the ground, uh, the Panthers had. E.J. E, e. Perry, uh, seven attempts on the ground, 22 yards, 3.1 yards per average, one uh, rushing touchdown. Longest was six-yard scramble. For Sims, um, who was actually the uh, well, receivers, I believe, for the Panthers, um, one attempt for 15 yards. Um, uh, Reggie Corbin, uh, the typical... Um, Starting running back for the Panthers, uh, only f- five attempts for only three yards on the ground. Not a very good night for him. Uh, same for the backup, Scott the third. He also was only able to get one attempt for two yards. So uh, Panthers not really doing it where they need to do on the ground. Uh, as far as receiving goes, uh, we got Quinn as a receiver. Five receiving yards, uh, five receptions, 104 yards for an average of 20.8. One touchdown, uh, along of 55 yards. And Sims following up with three receptions, 87 yards, 29 on average. Um, that's average yards per catch with one touchdown as well. And then um, uh, some other receivers got the ball. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five other receivers, but none of them get yeah, touchdowns. On the Mahler side, Williams, their quarterback, uh, 23 of 40 for 57.5%. Uh, his quarterback rating is uh, 
Um, he also had a rush, uh, six rushing attempts for 36 yards and no touchdowns. Um, Grozczyk, uh 14 attempts, 32 yards, 2.3 yards on average with one touchdown. Another touchdown going to, uh, let's see, Gaither, uh, one attempt, four yards, one touchdown. Uh, for the receiving core, only one with a touchdown. Uh, Hyman, he was great all night. Um, four receptions, 32 yards, um, eight on average with a touchdown. That, that was basically, um, you know, your your favorite breakdown. Uh, the final score, again, Michigan Panthers 27, Maulers 31. Unfortunate loss for the Michigan Panthers. I know the Bear bet on this one. He bet favor of the Panthers. He was wrong there too. I did not make a formal prediction, though I'm sure um, I wanted the Panthers to win and I was rooting for the Panthers to win. I didn't make a formal prediction, so I don't have anything to go on there. But um, definitely a good game, but man, really wish the Panthers would have gone all the way. If they had, I promised that I would be going to the uh, USFL Championship game, but of course they lost. The Mullers went, so I stayed home. Uh, and more on that game later. Um, but as for the North Division Championship, that was the breakdown. All right, uh, next thing we got here is the USFL South Division Championship game. This game was way more lopsided. Um, everybody was saying this game is going to be much more close. It was going to be much closer, closer than an overtime game. It was going to be much more intense, uh, a brutal battle down the stretch because these two teams were the best two teams of the year. As far as their record, it was the Birmingham Sounds and the New Orleans Breakers. Unfortunately, the game did not work out like that. So we have the quarter-by-quarter -quarter breakdown right here. After the first quarter, the Stallions led 9-7. to seven. Um, I believe that was um, a touchdown and a field goal to a touchdown. However, in the second quarter and the third quarter, things started to get out of hand with the Stallions putting up 17 unanswered points in the second quarter and 14 unanswered points in the third quarter. Um, the Breakers were able to put some more points on the board back in the fourth quarter. Total of 15. Uh, they got two touchdowns and went for two. Got that. Um, but unfortunately, that was not enough. The Stallions got another touchdown in the fourth quarter uh, with a final score of 22-47. to 47. This game was over fast. I mean, um, pretty much during the second quarter, you knew it was going to be lopsided. Um, once the Stallions put up, you know, two, two and a half more touchdowns, it was looking pretty bad for um, the Breakers. And they just weren't able to answer um, what the Stallions had going for them. If we look at uh, some of the stats here, the Breakers had the ball for 27 minutes and 44 seconds with 11 drives. Total plays were 63. Total yards, 350, uh, 352. Yards per play, about 5.7. Red zone touchdowns, 2. The Stallions held the ball for 32 minutes and 16 seconds for 10 drives. Um, 62 plays, so very close to a similar amount of plays. It ran 62 plays. They got 553 yards over five lengths, five and a half lengths of the field. They um, got about 8.9 yards per play with four red zone touchdowns. Through the air, uh, the Breakers were able to get 273 passing yards, um, 23, or 26 for 50, uh, with a passing attempt on average of 5.5 with two touchdowns throughout the game. The Stallions, however, were able to get 308 uh, total yards, 21 for 31 completions, 9.9 yards per average, and four passing touchdowns. On the ground, the Breakers ran for 79 yards for 13 attempts, 6.1 yards per rush, and one touchdown. 
The Stallions, 245 rushing yards, 30 attempts, 8.2 yards per rush with two rushing touchdowns. As far as the turnover game went, a little bit more even, but less so. The Breakers, two total interceptions, um, no fumbles to the Stallions, one fumble. Um, and they lost that fumble. So, I mean, Stallions had this one um, pretty good. We can get the players breakdown. Bethel Thompson, he's the quarterback for the Breakers. He went 26 for 50 with a 52% completion rate, um, 273 yards, 5.5 on average, two touchdowns, two interceptions. That's a 64.8 quarterback rating on the ground. Uh, we got Hills, uh, seven attempts, 30 yards, um, average per carry 4.3 with a long of 12. Jones, um, Four attempts, 27 yards, 6.8 average yards for a long of 15. And Habibi Licoio. Is that right? Habibi Licoio, uh, I think is what it says. Uh, two attempts, 22 yards, 11 yards on average, one touchdown, and a long of 27. Um, fairly fairly uh, broken down um, on the ground to the air. Um, the only one to get a touchdown was Surat, uh, seven receiving yards, 57 receptions, 50 yards, 7.1 on average, one touchdown um, with a long of 16. And um, says the leading, uh, oh, Dixon also notable, uh, six receptions, 51 yards, 8.5 yards on average, a long of 19. And then Anderson as well, three receptions, 64 yards, 3 point, uh, 21.3 on average with a long of 32. Um, how the Stallions match up against that? Uh, Magoo, great quarterback. Um, he did fantastic stuff. I'm actually surprised. He's, I don't think he's going to stay very long in the United States Football League. After displaying um, his talents out there, both in the um, Breakers game for the USFL South Championship and in the Championship game, which we're going to get to next, um, he did great uh, against the against the Breakers. He went 21 for 31, a 67.7 um, completion percentage for 310 yards, 10 yards on average, and four touchdowns. It's a 139.8 quarterback rating um, on the ground. The Stallions had three notable rushers: uh, Pearson Jr. 10 attempts, 84 yards, 84 yards on average, 26 long, no touchdowns. Uh, Magoo himself. Uh, Carried the ball eight times for 84 yards, 10.5 yards on average for the touchdown, long of 21. And Marable, uh, the other notable uh, rusher here, 11 attempts, 72 yards, 6.5 on average for a touchdown with a long run of 17. In the air, say we're going to have, let's see, four um, port receivers. Uh, we've got Joe Johnson, uh, two receptions, 58 yards. An average of 29 per reception. That's a, he got a touchdown with a long of 33. Sternberger, three receptions, 62 yards, 20.7 on average with a touchdown. Uh, Dylan Kane, I think his name, or Kane at least, uh, eight receptions, 74 yards, 9.2 on average, no touchdowns, long of 17. Davis, five receptions, 75 yards, 15 yards per average, two touchdowns with a long of 36. Um, and then the score, again, after all of that, the score came out 22 for the Breakers, 47 
for the Stallions. They've done fantastic over the two years uh, that the Stallions have been around. Um, they have lost three games and won 16 of them, if I'm not mistaken. So 16-3 and three after two years, an insane record. Just amazing stuff there from Birmingham Stallions. They have a great coaching staff. Um, everything's going good. Despite my respect for the New Orleans Breakers, they did not show up for this South Championship game, and they lost bad. Uh, this has been the breakdown of the USFL South Championship. All right, so moving right along, here we are with the um, USFL Championship game prediction and review. Now, normally these segments are going to be separated, I promise, but uh, what ended up happening is uh, I got really busy on Saturday. I didn't know when the podcast was going to be able to be recorded, so basically um, once I realized I might not have enough time in the day, I went ahead and tweeted my official score prediction. Um, I had the score prediction prepped and everything. I just didn't have the time to record the episode yet. So I went ahead, put that out there on Twitter. You can follow me, EvanThomas27 on Twitter. Um, I went ahead and put the information out there. My guess, which was going to be Stallions 30, Maulers 19. And that uh, was my official prediction. We're going to get into what happened with that in a second. But I noticed while I was on Twitter that um, like later that night or later that evening, I realized that the picture I had used for that tweet was last year's USFL championship, the 2022. So it has the stars and the um, stallions on it instead of the stallions and the maulers. And I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought, wow, I can't believe I messed that up. And I even tweeted, um, just realizing now that I have this year I have last year's photo up. Yikes. Um, so that happened. But my uh, my prediction, 30 to 19. Uh, what ended up happening, the, the Stallions beat the Mollygers 28 to 12. So I'm putting that down as a win in my book. Um, so let's see. It's uh, 12 or... Of the 28 stallions uh that's a win uh, my first official uh sports podcast prediction went down as a correct prediction um the only thing that matters is as long as they get the winning team right the score isn't gonna be that important but it is something to say like i would like to i would like to try and see if i can get the score i don't get extra points for getting the score right um but it's it's something that i like to compare to so 30 to 19 that was my guess ended up being 12 to 28 stallions that's a win in my book. Um, let's break it down. So what happened in this game? Um, it was fairly exciting to watch, but um, Birmingham handled their business. They went in, they handled their business. Um, the Maulers put together some good drives, but they just really weren't able to um, build the momentum that they needed to get over the Stallions' dominance. Um, in the first quarter, uh, the Maulers were able to go up 3-0, um, to zero with an unanswered field goal. Um, however, in the second quarter, the Stallions put up 14 to the Maulers' 6. In the third quarter, uh, the Stallions put up another 7, with the Maulers only able to put up their last 3. And the Stallions put another touchdown on the board in the fourth quarter, um, finishing the score out 28-12. to 12. Oh, come on now. 
uh, let's talk about uh, the breakdown. So the Maulers held the ball for 33 minutes, 50, 51 seconds, with a total of eight drives. They had 61 total plays with uh, 202 total yards. That's 3.2 yards per play with two red zone attempts and no red zone touchdowns. The Stallions went ahead and uh, held the ball for 26 minutes and 9 seconds. Uh, an additional, an equal amount of 8 drives, uh, 50 plays, 357 yards, 7.1 yards on average, with one red zone touchdown and two red zone attempts. In the air, the Maulers uh, got 104 yards, 27 completions for 38 attempts. That's 2.7 yards per attempt with zero passing touchdowns. The Stallions, 207 yards, 18 for 25. Um, 8.3 yards per attempt with four passing touchdowns. And I'm telling you, some of those touchdowns in that game were insane. Like threading the needle, Magoo threading the needle to his to his uh, receivers. Um, they got some at least two incredible touchdowns um, in that game. On the ground, the Maulers went for 98 yards, uh, 17 attempts. That's 5.8 yards um, per rush. And the Stallions went ahead and... Uh, Got 150 yards, 23 attempts on the ground, with 6.5 yards on average. In the turnover battle, it was equal. Um, both the Maulers and the Stallions uh, lost fumble. There was an amazing, um, there was an amazing turnover by the Stallions when the Stallions um, got had the ball fumbled. Magoo uh, dropped the ball out of the pocket. Um, one of the Maulers. Defensive lineman scooped that ball up, ran as hard as he could, going towards the end zone. Once he knew he was running out of gas, he wasn't going to make it, he hands it off to either a cornerback or safety, who then took it all the way to the end zone for the touchdown. But the plague was called back because the handoff, the fumble handoff, was a little bit forward, so the refs ruled it a forward lateral and brought the ball back, didn't give him the touchdown. I'm just thinking, man, that's one of those things where you just give him the touchdown. I mean, come on, that makes it way more exciting. Just give him the touchdown. It wasn't really a lateral. He didn't toss it. He handed it to him. I mean, there was no, it was an exchange of the ball instead of like a pass. But I don't know. That's just me. That's just what I think. Um... Okay, okay, let's 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 do the passing. So, um, Williams, twenty-four for thirty-seven, sixty-four point nine percent completion with a total of one hundred and forty-three yards, three point nine uh, yards on average for a quarterback rating of seventy-two point two, and Groshek in for uh, one pass. Um, it was incomplete. Quarterback rating of thirty-nine point six. Um, on the ground, Williams, uh, four attempts, 38 yards, 9.5 yards on average, along with 19. Groshek, nine attempts, 35 yards, 3.9 yards per average, along with 15. Uh, and that's that's about it for notable rushers. Receiving yards, um, Henny, eight receptions, 55 yards, 6.9 yards on average, along with 20. Hyman, three receptions, 18 yards. Six yards long of uh, six yards on average, long of seven. Uh, we didn't really talk about defensive stance. I'm looking for the kicking stats. Um, 
all points by the Maulers came from Blewett, their field goal kicker, 4 of 5, um, 80% um, field goal, long of 55, 12 points. He got all of them. He was doing all the heavy lifting when the offense couldn't. I thought I had to mention that. Uh, meanwhile, Stallions. Magoo. 18 for 25, 72% completion rating. 243 yards, 9.7 on average with four touchdowns. Quarterback rating of 142.2. Um, he also ran on the ground. Nine attempts, 64 yards, 7.1 on average, 23 long. Marble, eight attempts, uh, 48 yards, six yards on average, 15 long. And Pearson, six attempts, 38 yards, 6.3 on average, long of 15. Receiving, Kane. Four receptions, 70 yards, 17.5 on average. Three touchdowns, 40 yards, his longest pass. Completion, um, Davis, three receptions, 55 yards, 18.3 on average. Another touchdown, 42 yards. That's your stats. Um, maybe I'll do defensive stats um, in the future. But as of right now, we're not doing defensive stats. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a lot of stats for um, all the games. But at least for the USFL, they put out their stats early. So I'm able to kind of see those. Um, so in the end, Pittsburgh Maulers, 12. Birmingham Stallions, 28. They showed up in Canton. They got the job done. They're going home back-to-back -back USFL championship holders. I guess they're getting rings or getting trophies. I don't know if they get rings, but I know they get trophies. Um, I think they did get rings. I think eventually the... Um, USFL gave them rings. Um, do we have a dynasty on our hands, or will they um, finally be put down next year by the brand-new Michigan Panthers? I'm just kidding. I don't know. But um, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it if the Panthers were able to pull it together this year. There was so much hope after the first two weeks as a Panthers fan that maybe we're going to have a really good football team this year, but mm, it feels a little fast. And then there was some a very glimmer, a glimmer of hope there at the end, um, but the team wasn't able to get it done. So we'll see what happens next year, but this has been a really exciting season of USFL football. Definitely better football than we saw last year. Um, the play was much better, and um, I think we really have to you know, thank the USFL organization for that improvement. Um, the kicking was the most noticeable thing. I mean, freaking nobody hit a field goal last year. Um, or an extra point. Nobody hit anything last year except for one guy. Um, and this year, just much, much, much better stuff. Um, I, in the kicking game and um, in the general just play. The, the players were better this year than they were last year. Um, the systems were better. Everything was better. And I think it just has to do with more players coming to the league and saying, hey, you know, this is a legitimate thing. We can play here. So, um, unfortunately, that does wrap up football for this year. We're taking a month off. And next month in August, we get all ready to go for NFL preseason. Um, I think there might be some college games starting up at the end of the year, at the end of August. So we got one month off from football, and then we're back in it uh, until uh, July of 2024. So let's get excited for that already. Um, I love year-round football. hope you do too because it is just really awesome. I'm really glad um, that we have year-round football. I'm a huge football fan. Um, and kind of a new thing I've developed recently, actually, over the last couple months. Um, it might have to do with the Lions' success. It might not. I don't really know. 
but I have really found um, an interest in watching football games. So if you're into that, this is the best place for you. Stick around. We'll get some more football as soon as it comes around. Um, but right now, we're on to some other business. Um, so I'll see you for the next segment. Thank you for everybody for making it through the sports section of the podcast. This is the other news section of the podcast where we're going to discuss other things outside of the realm of sports. As much as I like sports, I'm sure you like sports if you're listening to this podcast, there are other things that happen. So we'd like to talk about a couple of those um, as things go on. Of course, my degrees um, in in uh, politics. So, you know, we have other things to talk, to, talk, to talk about. We are not talking about politics today, if that is the worry. Instead, today we are going to be talking about um, one of my other jobs and something that brings me a lot of passion is um, the festival business. I've been involved with the festival business for a couple of years now um, in different capacities and different roles. And this year I was brought on to my hometown uh, festival called the Selene Celtic Festival to run marketing advertising for them. Um, if you're someone who lives in either Michigan, Indiana, or Ohio, there's a chance that um, you've seen an ad for the Celine Celtic Festival, and that is thanks to yours truly. Um, I've been working really hard all year to make it happen where we've expanded our marketing role from basically nothing in terms of online advertising to pushing it to three states. The result of that is we've seen a lot of really awesome stuff here at this thing, Celtic Festival, and I would like to go over a couple of those things with you, um, if you'll allow me. So, um, this year compared to last year, um, because of the marketing advertising I've been able to do, as well as the other chairpersons that um, contribute to the festival, their ideas, their inspirations, and the events and different things that they would like to bring to the festival allow me to promote and um, sell a more fun and more interesting experience to other people and so they get the content i push it down the internet and then people buy tickets that's how the kind of that process works this year compared to last year the 2023 festival compared to the 2022 festival by the way this festival happened on july 7th and 8th 2023 at the washington county farm council fairgrounds in ann arbor michigan so that takes place um July 7th and 8th. So uh, the address, official address for that location is 5555 Celine, no, Ann Arbor, Celine Road, um, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the website you're going to want to go to if you're interested in this festival and in future years is www.selenecelltic.org. So um, now that we kind of got that out of the way, it's important you understand where this comes from. So sales. Um, before the festival sales run from March, well, actually the 1st of April until June 30th. And next year they're going to start in March because I'm going to, um, make it happen. But, uh, typically the, uh, ticket sales go online on April 1st. Sales have increased. So April 1st, June 30th, we have in 2022 as well as 2023 sales have increased 220 percent all because of online advertising the pre-sale population of the festival increased 261 percent if you're familiar with the St. Celtic festival it's a small 
It was. It was a small local community event for about 3,500 people. Now, if these huge numbers remain the same, based on sale, based on an increase in sale, 220%, if that increase is reflected in game day, what we call game day population, there's an expected 12,642 people coming to the Selene Celtic Festival. It is going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome experience. Now, I cannot promise that that's actually going to happen. Um, at the festival, we're, we're thinking it's going to be somewhere between six and 8,000 people. So we're not actually thinking we're going to 12,000. But that's only if the number of increase in sales is reflected in the increase in population. So what population do we have now? So the, the online pre-sale population that increased by 261%. So the difference there is um, when you buy a ticket online, you can buy like a ticket package for like four people or two people. And that was only reflected as one ticket when you buy a ticket package. Well, I went ahead and did the math and created a separate number, which is pre-sale population. The increase on that from the 2022 to 2023 was 261%. And if that remains the same, if our online increase in population is reflected in our gate increase in population, we are going to see um, 12,883 people at the festival. So we've got two numbers, well over 12,000 people that are expected at this festival. This is because of the advertising that I've been able to bring in, as well as the other council persons. They were able to bring in new events, um, new activities, new things, bigger bands, just, just more, more action, more quality things that I was able to sell to the people. And the people turned out um, huge increases in population things. I just wanted to share that kind of um, because I'm really proud of my work. Um, and I'm really proud of everybody who's been able to kind of come together and put together an amazing 20, uh, 26th annual Sling Celtic Festival. So we are so, you know, excited and ready to go. And... Um, I, you know, I've never been this involved with a festival before. I was involved last year as kind of like a facilities volunteer. Um, through through a, you know, a family connection, I got involved in that capacity. And then in years prior, I had done some, some festivals. So this one, as well as some big ones, um, as a merchant, kind of um, working sales and shift work and stuff like that. So um, to come here and to be a, a director of marketing um, and to market, a lot of products to other people it's been a really fun experience and i'm really glad it's paying off um there's some there's a little bit of angst around you know maybe we maybe it was too good <laughs> and there's gonna be a ton of people here and we're gonna have to accommodate um, a lot of guests but we're ready you know we're ready and we're preparing and we're really excited to have some awesome things happen at this year's celtic festival um, with that being said, we have other segments for today's podcast, so we're going to go ahead and, get, ahead and get to other news, part two and part three right now. So, um, thank you for joining us and you stay with me and getting to it this far. Um, we're in other news, part two, where we're talking about holidays right now. Um, of course, in the United States, coming up soon is independence day also known as the fourth of july um the fourth of july is a special day um you know here in the states and especially in my life it's always been something that i've really looked forward to and i've really enjoyed because i've been able to spend it um in traverse city uh, with firework shows and 
um, the Cherry Fest is right around now, so it's just been a really um, important holiday, you know, to me growing up. And um, you know, unfortunately, you know, I'm, I'm no, we're no, we're, I'm not really um, able, not able to spend those uh, this holiday in Traverse City anymore. Um, but you know, just growing up with with the 4th of July and fireworks and then, you know, it becomes June and you're driving around town and seeing firework um, tents pop up all over the place and you just want to go in there and buy everything and then light it on fire, see stuff explode. Um, just the celebration of independence um, in the United States has been uh, really important uh, to me and really cool. Um, so for those who don't know, um, Independence Day in the United States is a federal holiday um, commem commemorating Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, it's commemorating the Declaration of Independence, which was ratified by the Second Continental Congress on July Fourth, seventeen seventy-six, establishing the United States of America. Um, one thing that most people actually don't know about um, the Fourth of July is the the actual signing date of the um, Declaration of Independence was July Second, seventeen seventy-six. Um, it just didn't take effect. Until, until July 4th, and um, one of the founding fathers, um, you know, is quoted famously for saying that July 2nd will be a day, you know, remembered in history for um, the birth of a new nation, or whatever they, uh, whatever they said, uh, but it was July 2nd was the point, and everybody, they talked about how July 2nd was going to be this, this new federal holiday um, for the young United States. And it ended up being July Fourth uh, when the when the actual uh, declaration was adopted by the Continental Congress and the first Congress of the United States. So um, it's just it's a really it's a really cool part of history. Um, I encourage people to learn about Independence Day and about um, um, the American Revolution and the kind of you know experiment with democracy that began. Uh, of course, there are nuances there. Um, it was democracy for a few people then, um, and it was democracy more than had been seen um, in any country since ancient Greece, really. Um, but, you know, it, it wasn't total democracy like we have now. Um, it w there were still restrictions on it. It was still less free um, and less democratic than it is today. So um, keep that in mind when we learn about... Um, independence movements and things like that that these kind of trends still continue throughout our history and even up until today when we talk about um you know protecting uh, voting rights and and pushing for um more democratic participation and more democratic freedom uh, and that's what independence day is about um you know the establishment of these ideas and the pursuit of these ideas and i think that, that stuff is really awesome in addition to independence day um, this episode was originally supposed to be recorded on um, July 1st. Well, July 1st is also um, an Independence Day of sorts in Canada. Um, it is uh, July 1st is Canada Day. That was announced yesterday. Um, it's originally known as Dominion Day. And basically that's the day, uh, July 1st, 1867, Canada was officially recognized as its own nation. Um, however, it was still subject, it was a subject nation to the British Parliament, and it was subject until 1982, on July 1st, or 1982, 
um, Canada officially separated as a governing body from English Parliament. Now, technically, the crown, um, the English crown, still has dominion over um, the Canadian like nation, but the government of Canada, the governing of of Canada, is totally responsible to Canadian Parliament, and it has they separated ties in 1982 from the United Kingdom. So that's just some pretty interesting history about Canada today. I have personal friends in Canada. Um, I'd like to see them uh, as soon as I can, but um, it's it's hard. Uh, you know, seeing people, they live far. They live in um, pretty deep in there, <laughs> uh, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we like to say, but of course, um, it's not actually that. Um, but yeah, so Canada is important. It's important to um, the people of Canada. I'm right on the, I'm right near the border of Canada, so I can appreciate um, celebrating Canada today. Uh, it's a very nice country. If you haven't been, I definitely recommend going. I've been to um, a bunch of cities. I've been to Toronto, Quebec. Um, Where else have I been? <laughs> I've been to like three or four um, big cities in Canada. But it was a long time ago, so I'm I'm struggling to remember where ex where exactly I've been. Um, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, Quebec, and Ottawa. Um, that's where I've been. Um, I spent over I spent over a week in Quebec City. We I spent a day in Ottawa, um, and then in Toronto, um, I've also been I think I've also been to Montreal. Yeah, I definitely also been in Montreal. Um, in Toronto, uh, I've been there a bunch of times. But the one that stands out to me the most is when I was there on a on not a vacation. It was a class trip. Uh, we had a class trip when I was in I think sixth grade. I went to Toronto. Uh, no, eighth grade. It must have been eighth grade. I went to Toronto. I want to say it was eighth grade. Wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, I went on a trip there, and uh, we did some crazy stuff. Uh, maybe that's, you know, that's for another time, um, telling my Toronto trip stories. Um, but that was really cool. I've been to um, just an island. Oh, I feel so bad um, for not knowing my Canadian geography. Um I'm looking for unprepared. So that's the thing. Um, if I do unprepared segments, I'm always going to mess up, um, and there's going to be long pauses or nothing. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to worry about. Um, we're not going to worry about uh, anything like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, happy Canada Day to all my uh, amazing friends in Canada. Um, happy Fourth of July. To all my amazing friends in the United States. Um, and I wish everybody um, a great holiday week. Um, yeah, yeah, just enjoy it, man. I mean, maybe you get a couple days off, vacation here and there. Um, that could have happened already. Uh, Canada was on a weekend, so I don't know if they got any time, but if they did, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, 
I know. I'm going to enjoy it. It's funny because mo so most uh, Americans are getting two days. They're getting Monday and Tuesday off uh, for Fourth of July. But I'm not. I'm only getting Tuesday off. Um, I still have to work on Monday, uh, which is cool. But, you know, <laughs> you want your days off and you can get them. Um, but, yeah, so happy holidays to um, and happy Independence Day, happy Canada Day to those who live in the States and in Canada. So, um, this is technically like part three of the other news segment, but I was supposed to talk about uh, Diablo Immortal today, but I just, I was checking the schedule for the future episodes and I was looking at it and next week, uh, they're not the next, not next week. We're not doing an episode next week. Um, we've got the Celtic Festival. We've got things to do. Uh, but the following week, there was supposed to be, um, an episode, uh, of the podcast, and unfortunately, there's so little to talk about. I decided to move the Diablo Immortal discussion to that day. Um, I figured by then I'm gonna have a little bit more playtime. Maybe I'll have like, maybe I'll know more about the game itself. Um, and once I do, I'll be able to talk about it a little bit more. Um, but I just want to say, like, um, so uh, in two weeks, that's the 15th. Um, that's when the next um, podcast is supposed to come out, and. Uh, because the USFL championship game, because I I watched it, I didn't have to do the episode. You know, I couldn't make it. I can't make a prediction on a game that already happened. Like I could, but it would sound cheesy. So that's why I made the the tweet um, because I had to clarify that. You know, my day started to get busy, and I wanted to make sure that my prediction came out before the game happened to not look like I cheesed it um, despite the episode coming out after then I'm okay with that um, because I have the tweet as proof um, if you want to follow me on Twitter go ahead um, I'm at Evan Thomas 27 on Twitter you can't miss it um, my profile page is basically all Celtic Festival and you scroll down my pin tweet is about all the sports teams that we're gonna talk about here on the podcast so not hard to meet uh, not hard to, to reach um, so next week on the show though I did want to say uh, next week on the show uh, not next week, but the next episode is going to be on Nick Sanders, son of Barry Sanders. Um, I learned that he is playing Michigan State basketball uh, this year, so I might talk about that um, a little bit. I'm not going to be talking about Michigan State basketball, despite it being, you know, um, probably one of the most popular things in sports to talk about as far as from Michigan State. Um, I am not the biggest basketball fan, so I can't really, uh, I don't want to talk about something that I don't really know really anything about as far as who's a good player um what are the pro teams how does that you know how does the draft work like i don't really have um a whole lot of experience in that area never played basketball outside of you know some pickup games with the buddies you know so um basket msu basketball is not something i'm going to be following uh in depth but i would like to talk about it um, i thought it was a cool tidbit and we're also going to be having the diablo immortal discussion next um next episode there's a chance also on the next episode that I'm going to be bringing over the Optic Texas um, roster discussions because that was pretty recent news. I haven't had the opportunity to talk about it. This this week's episode was already kind of full, so I didn't get around to talking about the Optic, Test, Optic Texas roster moves, that being a team that we're going to follow. But I was really, you know, there are some interesting things there, but... I pushed that. That's probably going to be an episode recorded on the 22nd. So look out for that in two weeks from now, the discussion on the Optic Texas roster moves. Um, I think, however, 
as long as there's other things to talk about on that episode, I'm not going to move it. But if there's nothing else to talk about, then I might move it. Um, because, I mean, in July, there's not a whole lot to talk about as far as sports. All my sports teams that I follow are done in July. Um, so that's why getting to episodes like this aren't going to be a ton. But I'm thinking about some more as we go on um, to see what can I add where to kind of like bolster some of these episodes. So next next episode Nick Sanders, Diablo Mortal. That's the discussion we're going to be having. Not a whole lot of sports as far as sports related, but cool stuff nonetheless. So I hope to see you then. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. You get all the updates, all the cool predictions, um, and more headlines if you go on Twitter. Um, and just the ones you see here on the weekly show. So look out for that. Um, yeah, and if you want to, you can go ahead and become a supporter of the podcast um, for a couple of bucks a month, I think. Um, as low as five, I'm not really sure. Um, but you can go ahead and become a supporter of the podcast. It helps so, so much. I couldn't even explain how much it helps to be a supporter of the podcast. Um, I might do an extra, you know, a shout-out ad segment once I kind of have what I want to say about that down. But uh, become a supporter if you can. Follow me on Twitter. Um, hit me up, you know. Come hang out. Um, see what you want to say. And then maybe you can come on uh, the podcast if you really want to. Um, if you've got something um, interesting to talk about or if you want to just talk about the things that we're going to talk about on the show anyway. Um, I think it'd be really cool to have guests on or to have fans on or, or whatever, you know, um, that's totally cool. So, uh, look out for that. Um, coming up soon and, uh, I hope you see you, uh, see you back here for the next episode. Remember next episode is coming out on a Saturday the 15th. If everything goes to plan or around then, um, but Saturday the 15th is my target date. So hope to see you then. And I hope you enjoyed today's segment.